Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum, so happy you join me today. My guest is very recognizable from her time currently as a referee in All Elite Wrestling. It's Aubrey Edwards. Away from the ring, Aubrey is very involved in AEW community projects such as AEW Heels, which is a community whose mission is listed as to foster a community where female and female identifying fans can come together and celebrate their love of professional wrestling. Honestly, I heard about some of the work Aubrey and also Amanda Huber were doing with a lot of these community programs, and I really just wanted to shine a light on it and let people know about it. Aubrey's also had a pretty unique journey before pro wrestling and into pro wrestling that we'll talk about. Not only that, but we're in the middle of the biggest month ever for All Elite Wrestling with All In on Sunday, August 27th at Wembley Stadium in front of 80,000 plus fans. And then the following week with AEW All Out on uh, Sunday, September 3rd at Chicago's United Center. There's so much good wrestling going on in the world right now. It is pretty wild. So here we go with my interview with Aubrey Edwards. So thrilled to be joined today by AEW referee, representative, ambassador, Aubrey Edwards. Aubrey, welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. So glad you joined me today. Hey, Phil. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Outstanding. Uh, So my idea for this show was when I started hearing some great things about what AEW and its community were doing, and I thought it would be good to shed a light on some of that and just also, you know, get to talk to someone within wrestling since that's what the show is anyway. um, So the first thing I heard was about AEW heels, and I just wanted to kind of get talking about that and what you could tell me about how that started and what it's it's grown into now. Absolutely. Um, AEW heels is an incredible program where – we have essentially built this online community for female and female identifying wrestling fans. Wrestling has traditionally for a very long time, and it still is to a large extent, very male dominated, both in, you know, the performers of the ring, but also from a talent, uh, from a, um, uh, an audience perspective. So from a business side, we obviously want to grow our market and let's tap into the female market. On top of that, as a woman, I look at wrestling and I see that, I enjoy it more when there are people who look like me and people who I associate with that I can enjoy this with. So what we've done is created an online community, alleateheels.com. It's $50 a year where people can sign up and immediately they start making friends. And it's this incredible community where people who maybe know no one else that knows anything about wrestling have immediately started building all of these incredible relationships. And from that, we also offer amazing monthly content. So we'll do Zooms about uh, different topics. We'll cover things like, um, I think this next month, we're actually highlighting a number of our women backstage that work in uh, other departments. So kind of highlighting all of the different aspects of what goes into running a wrestling company. Uh, Last month, we featured one of our newer talents, uh, Harley Cameron, who's with uh, QTV. So -hmm. she got a little bit of a spotlight and the community got to ask her questions. So it's sort of this like unique, unprecedented uh, access to AEW talent behind the scenes at AEW. 
We also set up in-person meetups at our pay-per-views. So when people travel to these big events and these big shows, they can actually see all these people they've met online in person. And it's just a cute little awesome thing where everybody gets together in a safe space where no one is judged. No one has to like defend the wrestling fandom and prove that they actually are a wrestling fan, which is unfortunately something that as women, we still have to do today. And it's just, it's one of the things that of all of the crazy opportunities and crazy things I've done at AEW, it's one of the things I'm most proud of. Did it go in kind of the direction you thought it was going to go go in, or did it kind of just sort of change over time into into sort of what it became? I think it definitely changed over time. Um, it was originally something that was started by Brandy Rhodes, who's no longer yep. with us. And then when she left, uh, I kind of came in, into the leadership role along with a couple other coworkers. And I think from there, it kind of grew. And that's just the same with any community and I mean, any group of people, right? A, a group of people that is five people big is going to function differently than when you have a group of people that is 50 people big. And as our membership has grown, I think in the last year, we've tripled our membership. Uh, we've just, as a result, had to kind of change what we offer and how we manage this community. So we've actually just gotten uh, a number of uh, our community members are now moderators. So they're sort of helping us run the community and make sure that uh, kind of all of the the pillars of what we're trying to do is, is uh, held true. Um, we also have started kind of offering more content uh, that is outside of just like, let's focus on AEW talent and whatnot. Like we'll talk a lot about uh, mental health. We'll talk about LGBTQ plus issues because not only are we wrestling fans, that's sort of the thing that brings us together. But what makes us unique is that we're people with different backgrounds and different successes, different failures, different things going on in our life. So we've sort of had to adjust for what the community has grown into. But I think it's been a really beautiful thing. Yeah, that sounds really great. And it's just it's so unique for a company of this size to have such a deep personal connection with its fans. Like, and, you know, you're also getting feedback probably on, you know, it's still it's also a creative show that you <laughs> produce every week, too. So you, you hear from fans, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. So um, and I, I really liked too, and just talking a little bit more about the community stuff. I know that there was a, a video that Amanda Huber had put out on on grief. Uh, and uh, when that came out, honestly, it was something I was personally dealing with myself at the time. Mm -hmm. And I also appreciated what you put out there, too, on the on the mental health side of things, too, because I, it's just you don't see that coming from big companies like that in that in that personal of a way. So uh, thank you for that. Yeah, of course. That was sort of like all Amanda's brainchild. And I mean, yeah. she very publicly had, you know, with her husband passing uh, with, uh, while he was with AEW, it was sort of like everyone knows her story. But there's so many of us that are these larger than life characters on TV, like the the piece you were talking about that I was in, uh, Eddie Kingston and Will Hobbs were in that as well. And right. traditionally, we don't see like these strong, big men talking about being vulnerable. So it's a really great way for us to use our platform to sort of bring this thing that has a stigma and make it sort of a more normal conversation. And Amanda has become easily one of my best friends. So I'm just so happy that like this was something she wanted to do. I'm like, yes, please tell me how I can help. <laughs> Nice. And I was going to ask you about her. What, what's it like working with her on projects like this and, 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 and whatever else that she's got going on that she works on, too, because it seems like she's doing something all the time. Yeah, she's she's very similar to me. She wears about 12 or 13 hats on a given day. Um, it was great because I know she came in and did a lot of stuff with AEW together, sort of our community outreach program. And then as she's been involved, she's actually kind of taken more of a behind the scenes production role. So she's doing a lot of 
uh, managing like the day-to-day uh, operations of behind the scenes when we have extra people that come in that just need someone like this person's here, they're a guest, uh, they need a point person, Amanda, can you please help them? Or we have extras and they need to be funneled over here. Amanda, you handle this. It's one of those things where there's always things that fall through the cracks, especially with live TV and being as hectic as it is and having hands on people who can just come in and swoop in and help out is great. Um, Amanda is one of the people that helps me run heels along with Dasha Gonzalez, our announcer for collision. Um, and Amanda's really great because her strengths are my weaknesses <laughs> and her weaknesses are my strengths. So a lot of times when she is reacting to something, I'm like, okay, well, well, let's think about it this way. And then I'll react to something. And she's like, well, let's think about it this way. So it's really, I've enjoyed being able to have her mindset and being able to bounce things off of her. Um, another aspect, I mean, she's just a mother of two kids, a single mother of two kids who's traveling on the road. So she's living her life in the wrestling business completely different than I am as uh, a married woman with no kids. So it's always great to hear everyone's different stories and everyone's different perspectives. Cause I think it not only helps us appreciate people just in general, but it helps us sort of manage how we can build a better wrestling community. If we know that everyone is coming from sort of a different perspective. Absolutely. And how, how aware of is Tony Khan of everything you're doing with this and what's kind of the feedback from him been? <laughs> Tony's really busy on show day, so I don't really get a no chance kidding. to talk with him very often. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> but occasionally, like it's a like he's like, "Hey, how's that going? Oh, it's good. Cool. All right, let's go." <laughs> in the very Tony Khan way, right? Like Tony's been real supportive of like everything I've been doing, heels, AEW games, the podcast. Like it's one of those, hey, as long as you know AEW's growing and AEW's growing in different ways on different mediums, then you know you can't not be happy. So I really appreciate having Tony as a boss. He's just such a great guy. Could you have ever predicted this type of career change for yourself at this part of your life? And 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 just what is it like being in AEW? Uh, no, I never, ever in a million years would have guessed that I'm sitting in a hotel room talking to you about wrestling. Like I, there's so many people grew up with wrestling and I never did. Uh, my dad wouldn't let me watch it cause he said it was stupid and it was fake. And why would anyone pay attention to that sort of thing? So I fell into it very late. I didn't discover it until after I graduated college. And from there, it was sort of just a like, oh, this is a show that I watch every week and this is great. And when shows are in town, I go to shows and it's fun. Um, and my background is actually in classical ballet. I did that for about 22 years. So when I retired, I needed something else to do. Someone suggested I try refing, and it is surprisingly similar hmm. to being like a background dancer in like Waltz of the Flowers and Nutcracker. I'm just wearing pants instead of tights now, but I'm there helping other people tell stories and helping put on a show for an audience. And it's great. And it's nothing I ever imagined doing. My full-time career previously was making video games. I'm a computer science major. I was working in production, managing teams of up to 80 people on AAA games. So to know that I'm now yelling at people who fight in their underwear on TV, I, I never, ever could have imagined it. It's just one of those things. When the opportunity comes along and it's something crazy, you might as well do it. See how it works. And it worked out pretty well. I think one of my least favorite sayings or cliches that I hear in wrestling is probably, well, it isn't ballet because mainly I have a, I have a, I have a theater background myself and yeah. everyone I ever know who did ballet was super physical and active and they were always constantly banged up. Oh, so yeah. it, so what, what about those two genres kind of correlates? Is it the footwork? Is it, you know, what, what, <laughs> explain. 
It's it's interesting. So I, I just kind of go back to the example of Waltz of the Flowers, for instance. I think everyone's sort of familiar with the Nutcracker or mm-hmm. any of those really classical ballets. But you end up having sort of the sugar plump farrier, the person on the poster who's selling all the tickets, right? And then you have all of these people behind her essentially standing there making her look really, really great. You're there in a support role to help her tell a story, whatever that story may be. And that's essentially what my job as a referee is, is the wrestlers are telling a story and I am there to help facilitate that, whether that is to make sure the rules are being enforced in a particular moment so the heel gets the heat they need, so that the baby face gets you know, the sympathy they get, uh, making sure that they're getting the production cues they need so that we can stay, stay on time and, you know, go home when we need to go home and go off the air at 9.59.59. It's whatever they need to help them. So I always kind of liken my job as a referee to a combination of my dance background plus my software management background because it's not only am I helping teams sort of make cool stuff, but I get to do it in a way that my body is my instrument. Interesting. Interesting. And what are kind of the ups and downs of being a referee in pro wrestling in an AW? Ooh, ups and downs. Um, it's surprisingly physical and I don't think people realize that. Um, there's a very common thing where referees just sort of stand there and that is far from it. Um, the amount of bruises I have on my knees right now from dynamite will, will disagree with that statement. Um, a lot of what we do is extremely physical. Anytime that there's new referees starting and they ask me, what do I need to be able to do? I said, you need to be able to do 100 burpees and 100 squats and not be out of breath because it is a very cardio intensive job. Uh, on top of that, you much, much like dance, you can't really look tired. You need to be on top of the action because you have all these people that are putting on a wrestling match and you're the person, the, the figure of authority who is essentially making it valid without you there it's not a contest so you have to be physically fit you have to be reactionary you have to be calm because as things kind of get crazy if if you start to freak out everyone else starts to freak out so you sort of have to be this voice of reason in this moment where there's thousands of people yelling and screaming it's a really interesting role and i don't think people fully get what it is that we do which kind of makes it fun and interesting yeah. What's the wildest match uh, that you've personally been involved in? Oh, any of the blood and guts. Um, yeah. I was involved with the first two blood and guts matches and those are just insane from both a storytelling perspective and from a production perspective, uh, having anything with multiple commercials is I, I I'm just in awe of our production team and our wrestlers being able to continue to do what they do with all of the restrictions that live TV kind of puts on us. Um, anytime something goes wrong and being able to react and adapt and make sure people are safe. Like there's, there's just so much that goes into that. And, you know, blood and guts is a match that is an hour long. That's absolutely insane. So there's, there's a lot of key components with that. You have multiple people in the ring, you have multiple referees on the outside. There's just so many things that could go wrong. So it's a good representation of a team coming together. Very good. Um, there weren't too, too many female referees for male matches in wrestling before you. There have been some over time. How did you find yourself fitting into this wacky world of, uh, of wrestling as a, as a female referee, uh, usually refereeing men's matches? So for me, it wasn't really like interesting. Like, di- like it wasn't really different in any sort of way, like refereeing men's matches or women's matches, because Uh, I'm from Seattle. It's a very progressive place. And my uh, independent promotion that I came up through 
uh, I was refing men's matches from the first day. So for me, it was just sort of a regular thing. And I was really happy that when I got to AEW, that was sort of also the perception of, yeah, we're just going to have you ref the dudes matches because why wouldn't you? Like they they have to respect your authority. It doesn't matter what your gender is. You're the person in charge. If they don't follow the rules, you call the match however you need to call the match. Like that is the story we're telling. That is the role that I play. So I really, really appreciate that, that AEW has given me that opportunity to be able to work kind of any sort of match. There's not really any sort of restrictions. Like I've definitely, you know, dug barbed wire out of my coworkers skin in the middle of crazy matches. So it's, it's just like a, Gender almost doesn't matter, which is really great for me because that's where we're getting with equality. When nobody really thinks like, oh, there's a woman refing this men's match. It's like, oh, no, it's just Aubrey. Like, that's what I've been working towards. And I'm really happy about that. Yeah, that's what's good about what a lot of the firsts in wrestling are right now, too. It's like, you know, at some point you don't want to hear about the firsts anymore because (laughs) you should just be doing these all the time anyway. Let's just do it. (laughs) Women women main eventing this or women getting a, you know, know, money in the bank match in WWE or something like that. It's just like, okay, we've done all of them now. Let's just make it part of our normal, you know. It was funny because this week I was actually the first woman to referee the ROH tag titles. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's just like they're still happening. We're just not making them a big deal anymore. Yeah, but it's just it's cool, though, too, to see, you know, there are, you know, several other women's, you know, women referees right now, too. And, yes. just you know, as somebody who's been a fan, I've been watching it my whole life was almost just about since 1985. So, yeah. you know, you know, you only see so many people in those roles. So I, I think you were really kind of a you know trailblazer there, even if you weren't the first necessarily. You know, I was I was there at Evolution. I saw you there during the Battle Royal. And stuff oh, thank too, you. So, yeah. That was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that was an interesting experience, too, with that. And the, and the May Young, I think, was the other thing you, you worked for. Yeah, I did the second Young Classic. I did Evolution. I did an number of shows um sort of uh like traveling shows for nxt yeah um i noticed in wrestling that referees pretty much either all know each other or know of each other is that accurate and you know what's that community of people like yeah i mean if you just look at the sheer numbers like how many wrestlers do we have at AEW versus how many referees do we have like it's a significantly smaller subset of the actual talent within wrestling and i know when i was joining AEW and they were slowly announcing all the referees involved. I got really excited because I had always been a huge fan of Bryce Remsburg and Rick Knox. Mm. And I had gotten the chance to work with Rick Knox and Bryce Remsburg. I knew of Paul Turner. I'd watched him on ring of honor, but I didn't actually like, I haven't met him yet at that point. So I was like, Oh my God, I know all these guys. And now these are going to be my coworkers. This is crazy. And it's been really great because we all, I think all really look out for each other just because it is such a unique role that, it's it's been really great being in my role because seeing the women come up through the indies and trying to be approachable and help them out it's just built this amazing community of referees amongst the indies amongst professionals like we're we're all friends with each other but honestly everyone in wrestling is friends with each other it's such yep. a small business yeah, it really is. I, I, but I specifically always see it with the referees supporting each other too. Just the ones that I know, and, mm-hmm. and also just you know, you see them all on each other's posts, you know, congratulating each other. And oh, it's just, totally. it just seems really positive, and it's 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 really great to see. And like you said, I don't. I think a lot of people just don't understand the whole. So uh, I think people get confused by it a lot. Um, was there anyone in the ring uh, who you were a big fan of who you ended up working with? Uh probably CM Punk. Um, 
I had actually told him <laughs> shortly after he joined us uh, at AEW that he was the reason I actually started watching wrestling because the first thing that really made wrestling click for me was uh, his pipe bomb promo. Mm. Um, so that was sort of one of those moments of, oh, wow, I the guy that is literally the reason why I'm here is now in the ring and I'm telling him that we have three minutes until we go to commercial. Like it's a completely surreal thing. So being a person who didn't grow up with wrestling and working with people like, you know, Sting and Jericho and Tony Schiavone, like I don't have the same connection with them that many of my other coworkers do. I understand the history that they had had in wrestling and what they did for the business. But now for me, it's like, I came in, I'm like, okay, yeah, these are my coworkers, but there, there's a handful. Like, Brian Danielson had always been my favorite wrestler and uh, I had seen him, you know, retire the first time at climate pledge arena in Seattle. I bought front row tickets. I was like, so sad. I was crying. Um, so to see him come back and to see him join AEW and being able to work with him, like it's, it's wild. Yeah. And I, I always love the interactions with you and Jericho too. You, you referee <laughs> so many of his matches and Chris there's always, best. There's always something from one to the next that you'll, you know, and, and even when he's on commentary, <laughs> trying to explain the relationship too. So um, what was it like having a match in <laughs> AEW? You oh, and yeah. uh, you and Mark Briscoe and Papa might have been the most eclectic uh, trio <laughs> I can think of in AEW history. Uh, so what, what was that experience like? Um, it was insane it's like it's it's been a while now and i still kind of don't have the words for it uh my body hurt real bad the next day and i had a whole new appreciation for all of my wrestling coworkers uh because i didn't i never wrestled i went straight into refereeing um if you asked me to do collar and elbow tie-up it'd be pretty terrible um so when i first heard the idea of me teaming with mark briscoe and papa briscoe I was immediately kind of like, do we really want to do this? Because like, I, I don't have the background. And luckily there was a number of people backstage who kind of helped me prepare for that and uh, help us kind of build team cohesion and figure out how that was going to work. And obviously it worked because now I'm undefeated one and in AEW before retiring from in-ring action. So uh, it all worked out. It was worth it, but uh, I am very happy it happened and I hope it never happens again. <laughs> so no trios uh, title matches with the house of black anytime. No, 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 no. <laughs> and I mean, your opponents are a pretty eclectic, eclectic group too. I mean, uh, Jeff Jarrett's crew is pretty, uh, pretty wacky. They're, they're a fun bunch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> How does it make you feel to get the kind of reactions you get from fans live? It's, it's surreal. It's, I think the first time I ever saw like a little girl dressed like me at a show, Aww. I was just completely taken aback that this is something that like we're, we're, we're changing the world. And that seems like a very hyperbolic statement, but I've always been a big proponent of rep representation in media coming from software and it also being male dominated. It's always something that I've kind of thought about being a woman in the role that I am knowing that there are girls growing up watching wrestling who seeing a female referee for them has always been normal. It's not, it was never a new thing. Kind of like how we talked about before. So for them, we're, we're changing what wrestling is for them. They don't know it, but their normal is different than what our normal was when we first started watching. And to hear from parents that, you know, they're so happy that their kids, both their, their daughters and their sons, that they see this strong, authoritative woman on TV who doesn't take any crap from people. Like, that's a really, really important thing to see strong women in a role who 
you know, are able to lay down laws and people have to listen. It's, it's not something that you see commonly. So I've been very, very grateful to be given these opportunities. And I'm just completely just awestruck anytime I see someone with a sign or yeah. in a ref shirt or like anytime they chant my name, I'm like, please just hold off, save it for the wrestlers <laughs> They're about to come out and do something really cool. <laughs> That's really nice. Um, how proud are you of the AEW fight forever game and what other kind of things are you going to be able to do in that kind of corner of the world? Uh, I'm really proud of Fight Forever. The I was actually not involved with the team in Fight Forever, but the team that was did an incredible job. Um, I know a lot of those guys, like Kenny Omega, had never developed a game before. So going through that process and having made, uh, I think previously I had worked on 12 separate video games before joining AEW. And so seeing kind of how that sausage gets made and seeing someone go through that process for the first time, like, I know what that feels like. I know those blood, sweat, and tears all too well. And I'm so, so incredibly proud of everyone behind the scenes for pulling that off. Um, I'm working on other stuff for AEW games that I can't talk about yet, but it's super, super exciting. Is there stuff that you've worked on already that's out there too, I think? Yeah. So previously I'd worked on AEW Elite General Manager, which was our uh, mobile uh, general manager simulator that came out about two years ago. Um, and yeah, I'm working on some other titles. We'll just say that top secret for now and uh, we'll follow up on them later. Follow AEW games on Twitter for more information. <laughs> good. That's a good plug. What, what part of video game production do like fans just not know about at all? Oh, they, they don't know anything. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny because games take so long to make. And I think people just don't think about that, that when a game is announced, it's like, oh, this is a thing. It's like, yeah, well, this has been our life for years. Like we've been working on this for a really long time. It's completely different than wrestling, which is funny because they're so related to each other. We're making video games with the AEW IP and licensing, but we're also making matches. And matches are, we come together, we put something together, we put it on TV, we go home. Like that's what it is. Whereas video games are such a long process and it's a long creative endeavor and you come up with a plan and it doesn't work. So now you have to tweak the plan. So that long-term satisfaction of being happy with the end product takes so much longer to get to than having a match on TV that it's, it's weird because that was my life before and wrestling is my life now. So it's, it's weird. It's very weird. (laughs) So I I don't (laughs) think fans have a lot of, uh, insight into it. And anytime we do get to unveil something or talk about something or announce some DLC or even just talk about a new project, it's always fun to see the reaction because I feel like it's a surprise every time. Interesting. So we're going to move on to something we call the three count now. It's going to be three quick questions and your answers. Okay. So of all of the real life songs that Tony Khan has paid for the rights for, what's your favorite? And is there one that sticks in your head all day? I think the Brian Danielson uh, final countdown. I don't think any of us were expecting that. Just like it's it's, to hear that at Forbidden Door was insane. (laughs) Yeah. I never thought I'd hear it. I I watched a number of Ring of Honor matches with that song. And to hear that just really took me back to when I got into independent wrestling. Very nice. Any of those songs stick in your head all day? Uh, I mean, Judas, that's got to be the one. And I work with Chris so much. I get to hear it all the time. I hear the fans (laughs) sing it. Um, I don't get to sing it when everyone else is singing it. So like I'll I'll sometimes close my eyes and just kind of feel the crowd as it's happening. Uh, But that one definitely sticks in my mind. That's that's a bit of an earworm. Uh, Second question, present company excluded. Who's your favorite referee of all time and who is the best referee? Uh, My favorite referee is John Cone. Uh, I think he's really great. I've learned a lot of stuff from watching him. 
uh, Tommy Young is also very, very excellent. Was someone I studied a lot when I was first starting out. Very good. And then last uh, question. So AEW, uh, some of those karaoke videos that came out years ago were, uh, or last year or whatever it was were really funny. What What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, I don't sing at all. If you had to. <laughs> I, my go-to karaoke song is to stand in the back and support everyone else. Not, <laughs> like, not even backup? No, not even backup. Wow. No, I, I do not karaoke. Wow. But, but if, you, if you had to pick a song, would you? <laughs> uh, All Star by Smash Mouth, just because I feel like everybody knows the words and yep. you don't have to be able to carry a tune. <laughs> the, the best thing about karaoke as someone who does do it a lot is that like everyone's bad. Yes. Like so, <laughs> everyone's like, bad that are the most entertaining. The people that can sing, it's yeah. like okay, cool, you can sing, but like let's let's really, how can you artistically turn this around to make it a fun fun thing? And, and finally, I, I somehow completely skipped over a whole piece of my notes. So Wembley Stadium. Oh, dude. <laughs> like what? You know, what are your thoughts uh, as you're heading into this? Uh, this insane month for AW in terms of uh, just, you know, huge shows. So I remember when that got announced, I'm standing in the back watching it. And um, I'm just, did they say Wembley? Did they, did they say stadium? What? And like, I think we're all still kind of like flabbergasted that that was a thing. I remember being on the bus, going back to the talent hotel after the show, sitting next to Madison rain. And she's like, well, there's smaller arenas. I'm like, no, look, I pointed the graphic. I'm like, we're doing the stadium. Well, this is insane. So to see how we haven't really announced any sort of concrete matches, but we're over 75,000 tickets, it's such an incredible thing to see from being a part of AEW from the very beginning, being able to see the growth of AEW and just the faith that we are going to put on an excellent show because our pay-per-views are always excellent. Yep. They're just full of surprises and Everyone loves them. People really like just bring out the best in themselves and put on these stellar matches. It's, I think buying a ticket to an AEW pay-per-view is one of the best investments you can make because you know you're going to have a good time. So if we're doing something as historic as Wembley Stadium and it's going to be, yeah, I think it's on par to be the most successful show, wrestling show taking place in that stadium so far. Like, why would you not go <laughs> be a part of history? It, it was fun to see the ticket number just creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. As, and I think it surprised people, but it's just, it's a happening. You know, th this kind of thing can only happen for the first time once. And Wrestling is very much a feeling. And yeah. it's, you have to kind of go with what everyone is feeling. And I think everyone felt the excitement with the announcement. Everyone felt the excitement of what this meant for AEW, for what it meant for wrestling. So, yeah, I mean, I had the same response when I saw the ticket number. I think we sold 30,000 in the first day and it was like, <laughs> just completely taken aback. It was also fun to see that people try to downplay that. It's like, well, you know, 30,000, like what other shows do you see doing 30? Like there's some, but like, you know. Yeah, it's like, okay, well. We're, we're, this is still our biggest show ever. I've been in Ash twice, and Ash yeah. was like 20, 20 something thousand the first time. So, yeah. so um, uh, Aubrey Edwards, thank you so much for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I really enjoyed this and uh, enjoy everything that you've got coming up with AEW and Wembley and everything else. Thank rooting, you. Rooting for you all the way. Awesome. There's so many matches, so many flights, and so many emails to answer. And there's a lot going on in the next month, and I'm so excited. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. 
Thanks again, everyone, for joining me this week on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I want to thank my guest, Aubrey Edwards. I also want to give a shout out to Aria Whitner for the seed of the idea for this show. And of course, I want to thank John Schneider and Adam Hopkins from AEW for helping make this happen. Join me next week for another episode and check back on Twitter at Under the Ring and threads at PJ Strum for all the latest in terms of news on guests. And have a great week, everyone. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.